This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Worth Your Time podcast. I'm your host, Erica Anderson, and I'm really glad you're here today. My guest today is Rihanna Stensrud. She's the director of Welcome, a community of Christian women committed to creating a movement of Christ-like welcome in our country. Welcome is dedicated to following scripture in order to understand God's love for the immigrant and refugee. Brianna's passion for representing and advocating for a comprehensive pro-life ethic, including both fighting for the unborn and caring for refugees, the imprisoned, elderly, among others, is what fuels her desire to work with such an important organization. I love talking with her about her work and what she's learned since joining Welcome and how we can all better navigate our lives as Christians, even in the midst of tough political conversations about some of the issues affecting our country. It was clear how genuine, spirited, and loving Brianna is, and I was so thankful to hear her words of wisdom on this very important topic of welcoming all people into the love of Christ through our actions and our prayers. Enjoy this conversation with Brianna Stensrud. All right, everyone. Well, today I have Brianna Stensrud on the podcast. Thank you so much for coming to Worth Your Time, Brianna. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm so excited to connect with you. Um, we connected a few weeks ago or a couple months ago after I wrote something that was related to immigrants seeking refugee in the U.S. And then we, um, I found out about your organization, Welcome, and I was really excited about it. I had not yet been um, introduced to it. And then we started chatting and realized we had some things in common, and I thought you would just make a great person to talk to on the podcast. <laughs> so um, I want to talk about Welcome and all of the things that you're doing there. But before we do that, can you tell me just a little bit about your personal life, your professional background, and where you're coming from there? Sure. Well, thanks for having me. And yes, I was glad to connect with you. Um, Twitter is a wonderful world of <laughs> craziness, but it does connect people. So that's fun. I'm originally, I started out in kind of the live event world where I was working um, on women of faith conferences and with Thomas Nelson on live events. So I would travel around the country and do stadium in arena style, big events and then I got into some fundraising and some donor development. And then I landed at Focus on the Family several years ago and became their director of Sanctity of Human Life initiatives. And in that role, I oversaw church development and church outreach, as well as community development and outreach, and our Sanctity of Human Life initiatives there. So at Focus on the Family, they really focused on uh, traditional pro-life issues such as uh, pre-born, uh, abortion, and adoption, foster care initiatives that they had. And so I really kind of started getting into the pro-life space in from the traditional sense. I grew up an evangelical pastor's kid in the Midwest, so very conservative, um, very <laughs> mainline evangelical. And then I went to Dallas Theological Seminary I got my master's of biblical and theological studies there. So really grew up in that conservative evangelical vein and was very much a traditional pro-lifer for a very long time. I still consider myself one too. <laughs> my heart has grown though. So and I, that's what we'll talk about today, I guess. Yeah. Um, I did not realize that about your educational background. What made you want to get a master's in that. I, I'm kind of fascinated by it and feel like a lot of people don't know nearly as much as you do about the Bible if you've if you've been there. Well, I have always felt a love for the scripture. My dad is a pastor, and so you grow up being at church all the time. You grow up listening to the word, and I, I wanted to teach the word myself. And so um, you can learn all of that through just being around um, your parents, especially when they're deep in the trenches of ministry like that. My my dad had gotten his two degrees from Dallas Theological Seminary. My brother had gone to seminary. And so it was kind of in our family blood. But I also just loved learning about the scripture. And so that's why I went. And at the time when I went, I think there was 
you know, it's a small margin of women who went to seminary and that number has exploded and grown, which is incredibly encouraging. And so you have anywhere from a third to um, more than that, fourth to a third of seminaries now having women there. And it's, it's pretty exciting. So what, so you went from, was it focused on the family and then directly to welcome or was there something in between there? Well, when I was at Focus on the Family, um, I was traveling around the country speaking at events that would recruit families for kids who are in foster care. Mm -hmm. And so as I was speaking about the need and the hope and the gift of adoption, the Lord just really was stirring in my personal family's heart about adoption. And so what I decided to do was take a step back from my role at Focus and uh, adopt a child of my own. Um, as an infant. And so I took two years off and was raising a new uh, baby. And I have a seven-year-old. So we, she was mama junior the whole way. <laughs> and she was five at the time. So we went right back to baby, which is a shock. We, <laughs> we didn't have much in the house for a baby and um, the adoption process went real quickly for us. So we um, found ourselves with little baby quite quickly. And I just took a step back from focus to really focus on him. And in that, um, I was still really taking on just clients individually who had heard that I had left focus and wanted me to be involved in either um, pro-life strategy or branded marketing strategy, since that was really kind of my background in all of the different categories that I used to work in all of my experience. And I was asked to join a very new kind of movement that was a new project of world relief in the National Immigration Forum, which was called Welcome. And I, when I started learning about Welcome, I was, um, I was okay with dipping my toe in just a little bit. Um, but I felt very ill-equipped to really kind of dive deep into the subject matter of immigrants and refugees, because I'd really been existing in the pro-life, kind of the traditional pro-life space. And when we talk about comprehensive pro-life ethic, um, I was just never, that wasn't in scope at my previous job. We talked about that being a part of the continuum of care in the pro-life spectrum, but it wasn't a focus of ours. And so I felt kind of ill-equipped to enter in. But then I just, as soon as I entered into the world, I just became completely endeared to this vulnerable population. And that's kind of how it got started. And um, about... I don't know, six months ago, I was asked to direct the project itself. So here I am <laughs> now doing welcome full time. Well, this is this may seem like an obvious question, but I would just love to hear your kind of explanation of it. Uh, talking about the comprehensive pro-life ethic. Yes, most people, when we're talking, we say the word pro-life, we think abortion. I mean, that's what we generally are talking about, but I think it is larger than that. And so what was it about working with immigrants and refugees that made you sort of maybe have a light switch come on that said, this is about so much more and maybe we need to take that out. We need to kind of um, empower or inspire the rest of the pro-life movement um, to include this in the conversation and to make this a part of something much bigger than what we're already doing. Yeah, so during my time at Focus on the Family, um, my boss and mentor, Kelly Rosati, and um, our good friends and partners at the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission with Dr. Russell Moore, um, we had decided to partner together to put on an event called Evangelicals for Life. And Evangelicals for Life was an event that was to help the pro-life, the traditional pro-life audience really move in their scriptural understanding of comprehensive pro-life issues. And so we started, we launched, um, Kelly Rosati and Dr. Moore had this dream to really engage evangelicals in this broader perspective. And so Elizabeth Graham, who is um, a cabinet member at ERLC, she and I were tasked with kind of putting that event um, to life, bringing it to life, which we did. And it's still an event that happens every January in conjunction with the March for Life. Um, in DC. Um, so we did that and it was there that we really started to dive into, okay, who do we invite in to talk about immigrants or refugees? Who do we invite in to talk about preventable disease and 
deaths that are occurring from preventable disease? Who do we invite in to talk about prison ministry and and so on and so forth? And so along that whole entire spectrum of life, we were starting to dive in as evangelicals and reach out to some spaces and reach out to some people who frankly had felt very marginalized in the church for their belief and care for these other vulnerable populations. And personally, as I started to dive into the scriptures and really read those verses about what we were applying to the preborn space and the adoption space, the orphan care space, those verses still spoke uh, more broadly than what we were utilizing them for. And what I came to realize was, is that you cannot scripturally justify prioritizing one vulnerable population over another. You just can't do it. You can try. (laughs) And there will be some people in the traditional pro-life space who will say, the pre-born issue is the most important issue. Please don't categorize all of these other issues as pro-life issues. You are diverting resources. You are distracting from the main focus of saving lives of, of children, of babies who do not have a voice. And yet there was still this dynamic that we were trying to reconcile. Okay, so if we are going to be for heartbeat bills and we are going to care about little babies because they have a heartbeat and that's how we prove that they are made in the image of God. And I mean, that's not how we're proving that, but that's, you know, when we're talking to those who don't believe that that child has rights, we would be like, okay, it has a heartbeat. We can all agree that if it has a heartbeat, it's got brain waves, it's a human. And that human is made in the image of God and it's deserving of protection and rights and all of these things. How could we not say the same for a child at the border that has a heartbeat? A child in Africa that has a heartbeat that's dying of malaria or is dying of preventable diseases that we could be entering into to help solve, provide, and care for. And so it just became this question, this thing that just sat inside of me. God does not prioritize certain issues over others when it comes to those who are made in his image. And therefore, I couldn't do that either. And so while everybody, every ministry has a scope and they're called to certain things, as Christians, as the big C church, we have to care about all of life. And we cannot scripturally justify prioritizing one vulnerable population over another. And did you see, as you moved into this ministry, this side of ministry, did you see that um, revelation happening with others? Do you see it growing now um, as time goes on? I feel like I'm, I'm seeing more of that conversation happening now. How, how are you seeing things? I'm definitely seeing more of that. I, I think you do have those who feel very protective of certain areas in that pro-life spectrum. I, I do think that there is kind of a, a territory battle a little bit in that people are worried that the focus is being diluted uh, for any particular area. And yet I just don't believe that God's resources are limited when we choose to uh, prioritize everybody and choose to prioritize all of what he cares about. Um, he is much bigger than our limited resources. He, he says that he provides and he enters into those things. So I do think that there is still a divide, especially in conservative evangelicalism, that there are pro-life issues, which are really about the pre-born abortion topic and that are bleeding a little bit into the adoption space, just because that's a natural kind of continuum there. And then you'll still see that there is this, um, huge question mark around kind of the traditionally social justice topics. And in conservative evangelicalism, social justice is kind of a dirty word. And um, we associate that with really progressive and liberal policies, politics, politicians. Um, So it can get a little dicey in that regard. But I do think that people are starting to perk up to the idea that, you know what, you're right. Okay, so I'm advocating for this child that has a heartbeat here, but this child has a heartbeat over here. How do I 
Am I prioritizing one over the other? Am I disregarding one versus the other? And it's the same on the opposite side too. So when you have really progressive evangelicals or progressive Christians that will say, I'm for all of these traditional pro-life issues, you know, the homeless and the immigrants and refugees and the like, right? And racism issues. They'll look at the pre-born space and they'll say, well, you're forcing people into certain situations that drive some of these other issues. And if, and so they tend to ignore the pre-born space. And so if we could all just look at scripture holistically and say that every person is made in the image of God and has inherent dignity and worth, then we can start getting somewhere. Then we can really start glorifying God in the wholeness of his creation and who he's created. Instead of drawing territorial lines and saying our cause is better than yours or bigger than yours, this is what the body of Christ is about. We're not all designed to be an arm. We're not all designed to have the same passion. We are the body of Christ. If you've got a passion to help homeless veterans, enter into that and do that well to the glory of God. If you've got a passion for saving babies from abortion, the violence of abortion and women from the trauma of abortion, you go do that and you do that well. And for every other issue that, that there is out there, we don't have to be pit against one another. We don't. God doesn't tell us that we need to do that. He says, enter into where I've gifted you, where I've given you a passion. And I think that's what we have to do as a church. And I'm encouraged because I do think people are going to those spaces and they're exploring. Yeah. How much do you see the, I mean, it's been obviously immigration um, as a mm-hmm. whole has been a huge issue in our country forever, but but more recently it's, it's become, um, I guess, more... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just like a, a difficult thing because of what's mm-hmm. going on with the government and there's a, a, more of a refugee crisis happening in different parts of the world. And so there's more people that are seeking refuge. Mm-hmm. And I guess I'd ask you, um, how much do you see that as being um, a motivator and um, a way that God, I, I think maybe God is using um that to put these ideas in people's minds that they really need to take action and take this seriously. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not a huge fan of social media. I realize it's a necessary evil and it does connect us with information and with people, um, which can be a good thing. But I do think that we are seeing all of the evil that is around the world. We're seeing all of the disasters that are around the world. And some of us just have to shield ourselves from it because we literally can't take it. Um, But what we do know because of continuing headlines and policy and news and just the, just all of the hot topics that are coming out of the, the current administration, it's very hard to ignore the immigration issue right now. It's very hard to ignore the refugee issue right now, especially with what just happened in Syria and the American troops withdrawing. And so I do think that the headlines make us think about what is really going on in the world and should I get involved? Can I get involved? Do I need to get involved? I remember that this started kind of in my heart, this issue about immigration really started in my heart probably four or five years ago. I was standing in line um, waiting for my coffee at a local coffee shop and there was uh, an article in the New York Times and it had a picture of a 10-year-old boy from Honduras with a little three-year-old in his arm, and they were forging the Rio Grande. And a Border Patrol agent was reaching out to the boy, um, trying to pull him up onto the bank. And the caption said, 10-year-old boy flees from Honduras with three-year-old girl in hopes to make it across the border. And at the time, I had a three-year-old. And I I'm sitting there waiting for my drink. And I thought to myself, I have a three-year-old. And would I send her a thousand, two thousand miles with my 10-year-old neighbor because that was a better option than keeping her with me in our home? I mean, just trying to, for just, you know, uh, two minutes in the coffee shop, just trying to place myself in the situation of these people who are made in the image of God and their desperation to get somewhere safe. 
And we're living at a time in history where there are upwards to almost 70 million forcibly displaced people around the globe. And so it's a hard, it's a hard subject to ignore right now because uh, the issue is so, it's so vast and it feels so impossible. And yet no one is asking. I think I get the question a lot. So we can't take everybody. We can't take all of those people. We can't take everybody. And, and I would say, you're right, we can't. And, and I don't think any reasonable person is saying that we should have open borders or that we should let in everybody that wants to come. I think that that would probably be very unsafe. <laughs> but we should do what we can to um, have just and merciful laws, but safe and compassionate borders. Because if we don't have safe and secure borders, that's not safe for the folks that are coming in either. It doesn't protect Americans and it doesn't protect the people who are needing our refuge. So that line of thinking doesn't even really make sense. And the fact that of course we can't have open borders, of course we can't let in everybody. But what we can do is make sure that we have just and fair laws, that we have safe borders, but compassionate treatment of people. Um, we can be safe and we can be compassionate. Those things aren't mutually exclusive concepts. Yeah. And I, and, and the language surrounding um, all of it too, I think is so important because we obviously have the president who doesn't speak um, well of, of many things, <laughs> but um, I feel like are just sound very uncompassionate to the situation. And there are laws and things like you say, we, we need a secure border and there are, are certain processes that happen, have to happen on the border. We want to protect people, you know, make sure we know what's going on, who's coming in, but at the same time, treating them and speaking about them in a loving way. And sometimes I think that's missing and that's part of the biggest problem. And then that contributes to a larger just kind of denigration of these lives um, just from the words that are being spoken. And I think that can go, the words have meaning and words can be a lot more powerful than just, you know, what you're saying at the moment. But what I, I would, I like about welcome. And we talked about this on the phone is that it really, you guys are tapping into a, the a market of women. You, you're looking at women and saying, how can these Christian women be leaders? in this movement. And I loved what you said about how women are really leading the way in so many of these different um, life-loving um, areas. And so talk to me about that focus on women and why you think these are the people that can really help make a difference right now. Well, I think that women are having a moment in this country from various angles. They're definitely, I mean, just in recent years with the Me Too movement and the Church Too movement, and you've got uh, conservative evangelical spaces really wrestling with what is a woman's role in church and really bringing that up. Like, can a woman be in leadership? And I think the reason why this has percolated up to the top and is, is you can't ignore it anymore is the fact that women are not asking permission anymore to move forward in what they know is true about scripture and what they know is true about God. They know that they are gifted. They've been digging. They have been burying their faces in scripture. They've been going quietly going to seminary and going out on missions. They've been doing translation. They've been writing books. Women have been given permission by God to use their giftings to glorify him and make change in this world and to bring restoration and to bring hope to people. And women are naturals at hospitality. They have a gifting in care and concern for other people. And so when they see, when women see something um, amiss or awry, or when they feel that someone is being wronged, women are amazing advocates. They're protectors. You've got, you know, if you're not, even if you're a mother, a biological mother, you have a mama bear instinct in you to protect and you, um, you rise to the occasion. It's I've not I've never seen a woman who is passive about caring about some something or somebody else. And so women in this country are having a movement. They're having a movement in evangelical spaces as well. And they are believing God for bigger things. They're believing what scripture says about them. They're believing what scripture says God can do and, and what it says that he is and who he is. And so the thing about Welcome is, is that we are a relatively new community, but we are 
a strong community. I mean, we have grown leaps and bounds in the last year and a half, and we are on a movement to create Christ-like welcome in this country. And it it really has blossomed. And we've got, I've, I've been shocked. I really have been shocked at the women who have come out of the woodwork, even in my own community, which is a very safe uh, white, affluent, upper middle class community. When when I say, I'm talking about immigrants and refugees, I've got women who are privately messaging me. Uh, can we go out to coffee and talk about that? I've really been wanting to know more about that, but I just have no clue. And I can't really talk about it on Facebook because I'll get attacked or because my parents... Um, you know, voted for Trump or I, I just, I don't want to get mauled online, but I, I, this has been stirring in me. I can't tell you how many times women have privately messaged me or text me and said, this has been stirring in me. I need to know more. And so this movement of welcome is, I mean, it's focused on uh, evangelical women who just want to engage in Christ-like hospitality and biblical welcome and really explore what that means. That doesn't mean that we have all the answers. That doesn't mean that we don't step forward with fear and trepidation. It just means that we want to explore scripture further and understand as a community of world changers, what Christ would have us say about welcoming others. How would our what would our lives, what our communities look like? What would our families look like if we really engaged in deep care and concern and welcome for the sojourner in our midst? And that's what welcome is all about. It's about being on a journey together. Um, and it's it's been a remarkable journey so far. And um, we've got some brand new resources out that I'd love to share about um, if we've got time that really help um, explain what that journey is. Yeah, I was going to ask if someone comes to your website or they are that person that wants to learn more, um, they don't know what to do, what should they do? Like, what do you guys offer to people that are looking? Sure. So what we offer at Welcome is a community of women who are on a journey to engage scripture holistically and in a deeper way to understand what it looks like to welcome the stranger. Um, and the sojourner in our midst. What does it look like to really have, what does scripture say about having care and concern for those who look different than us, that who who might sound different than us, that might be just traveling through, that might be vulnerable in ways that we're not? What does scripture say about that? And so we're not offering, we're not offering, I would say at Welcome, we're not offering any political statements. We're not offering any uh, concrete ways forward in what we feel like needs to be done to change the country or to fix necessarily very specific policies. But what we are doing is we are seeking to enter in and advocate for vulnerable people who've been really lost in the shadows and who need a voice. And that is why I feel like this issue is very much in the pro-life space, because these are vulnerable people who are made in the image of God who are crying out to us for help. And we have been pushing people away for the, either the sake of ignorance, the sake of comfort, or the, or the lack of care and concern for them. And I don't believe that we, when we stand before Christ, he's going to say, hey, you had all these resources. Great job. Um, way to, way to just keep that all to yourself. Yeah. I saw you went on some really nice vacations. I saw that you, y'all dressed really well and had beautiful homes. Um, don't worry about those folks that were really suffering and, and, and needing your care and concern at the border. I'm, I'm glad you had a good life. I think he's going to look at us and say, what did you do with the abundance I gave you? And I do think that that scares people, but I do think that God calls us into a brave space. Uh, a brave new space where we don't have to have all the answers, but that we sometimes you have to step forward in fear and seek out an answer that maybe you don't want to know. Maybe that means you get in closer proximity to someone that you've never met before or that you've never cared about before. And I promise you that will be messy and I promise you it will be complicated. But I also promise you that God will be there and that if you enter into that space, you will have a deeper understanding of who he is and he will be glorified in that relationship. And I have, I have just found that to be true over and over and over again. So when you come to welcome, what you're going to see is you're going to see an offering of um, biblical resources and you're going to see 
a community of women who is just continually asking questions, but seeking to follow God in a, in a very theologically orthodox way, um, but doing so in a way that we feel that honors our Creator and honors what He has called us to do as the body of Christ. So currently, we, we just put out, we just released a short documentary called Who is Welcome Here? And Who is Welcome Here is a 40-minute long film that follows three evangelical women on a trip to Oaxaca, Mexico, where we visit migrants in shelters. We visit unaccompanied children who have been migrating from the Northern Triangle and speak to them and talk to them and try and really dive deep into why are people migrating? What is the draw? What are the pushback factors? What are the pull factors? And getting very close in proximity to their pain and trying to enter in and understand what can we do to help? What should we be talking about? What should we be engaging with? And that's what the film is about. The film is about this intersection of our faith, of of our personhood, and of pain. And what does that look like to enter into that? And you were on the trip? Yes. Yeah, so it actually follows a bit of my journey. I'm, I'm, it's a very, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty green in this film. <laughs> and the fact that when I was asked to go on the trip, it was when I was, again, at that very kind of beginning stage of getting involved with this issue on a deeper level. And I, I was asked to go because really I had been existing in the traditional pro-life space for a while and um, you know, speaking at very conservative evangelical events, which I, I still do. And I still consider myself a conservative evangelical. And they said, come with us on this trip. We would love for you to see more. And um, they also asked Latasha Morrison, who is the founder of Be the Bridge, mm-hmm. and then Heather McFadden, who has a podcast called Don't Mom Alone. Mm-hmm. And so they followed the three of us. They came and filmed us at our homes before and just kind of interviewed us. Why did you say yes to go? And most of us were really coming at it from a, well, we kind of felt a, a stirring from the Lord to go. And it's a, it's a hot topic right now in our country. So yeah, let's go. And I think all of us were a little bit, I mean, we knew why we were going, but we, I, I don't think any of us could have anticipated what we encountered. And so it follows our journey in Oaxaca and then through um, our trip in Oaxaca as we meet different families in different situations and come face to face with, where do we go from here? And how do you feel like at the end of that trip, looking back, how do you feel like you were changed or, or what did you learn most? I think the thing I took away was the humanity. I I took away a deep sense of injustice and pain because the situation these folks are facing, no one chooses that. No one chooses to leave home in a rush with nothing but maybe your passport and your kids and a couple blankets under your arm. No No one chooses that. And everyone we talked to when we were in Mexico talked about their love for their country and how they were devastated to leave their communities behind. And they were, they were literally seeking mercy from strangers. We went to an unaccompanied minor shelter where Heather and I met a mother at the age of 11 and she was holding a seven day old baby. And we got back on the bus after we had talked to her and Latasha Morrison said, I feel grief. Because no one chooses that. No 11-year-old chooses to be a mother. That was something that was forced upon her. And what does the reality of the rest of her life look like? Um, She's probably going to have very little access to help from the trauma. She's probably going to have little access to education and what would really help her survive and thrive. And it just, it was a very sobering trip. I knew it wasn't going to be a feel-good trip, but I also didn't anticipate coming home as broken and as wrecked as I was. I feel like I'm still, we came back from that trip in April, and I feel like I'm still processing that. And I feel like that's a good thing. I don't say that to be intimidating to folks about entering into hard spaces, because I really think that's what God's calling us to do. He's calling us to get outside of our pretty well-fenced-in lives and love people in hard and messy places. That was kind of, that was the trip. The trip was entering into hard places and coming home and really having to ask God, where do we go from here? 
And so I encourage, I encourage people to watch that film. It's for there. It's a free download on our website right now. There's some discussion guides where you can watch that in a seven week series format in a small group, or you can show that as um, a short film in your church. And there is a group, a large group discussion guide that goes with that as well. So there's, there's ways to utilize that to start the conversation. And it really does not have to be a political conversation. I think a lot of, you know, when I was working in the traditional pro-life space, people would say, well, this isn't a political issue. And I would say, you're right. It's not a political issue. And then those on the other side would say, this is, you're making this a political issue. Um, And I would say, well, being pro-life is a life view. It's about a way of looking at people that transcends culture, class, race, age, and opinion uh, with this belief that we are all created in the image of God. And so when you try and present this kind of topic, it seems very, it seems a little bit intimidating. It's, maybe it's, it's a lot intimidating because it is so controversial and it's in, it's in the political rhetoric all the time. And it will be in 2020. It will be in 2024. It's not going away. Um, but what I would say is, is that if we look at scripture, scripture tells us to engage with the sojourner. And so what does that look like? This resource is, is not politically motivated. Welcome is a nonpartisan uh, project of world relief and the national immigration forum. And we're truly just presenting a story of what might it look like to enter in and get closer to this issue. A couple of thoughts. One, just that I don't think like people should stop looking, <laughs> looking to the government to solve the problem. I mean, there is a problem and the government has to be involved with immigration issues. But as Christians, um, we can't be relying on them to um, fix anything. And it's our duty to look past that and say, what can we do personally, regardless of what's happening with the law? Um, and also with your documentary um, and your organization, I think people are understandably oftentimes um, distrustful of the media and, and anything mm-hmm. that's portrayed in the media um, for good reason many times. And so a lot of times people see things in the media sometimes and they will assume that it's been sensationalized. They will assume that it's been taken out of context. And that is sometimes true. But mm-hmm. when you're looking at a place like Welcome and you're looking at your documentary and hearing what you have to say today, um, this is coming from a different place. This is coming from a different space. And, you know, talking to Christians, I mean, we we need to be looking at things, uh, going outside the box, like paying attention to things outside of the media, um, doing everything we can to show up. And, um, you know, when you were talking about doing things, uh, doing it anyways, even if you're afraid to, to learn more, uh, so many times the thing that echoes in my mind is just show up. And, you know, when you just show up and you send up a prayer, um, God is going to meet you there. And I think your organization is really an answer to prayer. Um, and I think we need you guys to grow. <laughs> we need more people, more people that are doing this and just providing resources and information and um, not judgmental, you know, from a, from a place of love. And so I love what you're doing. Um, and then I saw that you're also about to write a children's book, right? Yes, I am. I'm, um, it's been a kind of a dream of mine for, I don't know, four or five years now to write a children's book that helps introduce kids about the age of, you know, five to nine to human dignity issues. And I'm very good friends with a lot of the folks over at ERLC and Dan Darling is a good friend of mine. And I was speaking at the Evangelicals for Life conference last year and I was telling him about this dream. I had to write this book and I just hadn't really gotten on it yet. And I really wanted to make a comprehensive pro-life book for kids. And that would also help parents engage in some of these new spaces as well. And he said, well, let's do it. I've been, I've been wanting to do something like that too. Let's do it. And I said, yeah, let's do it. You know, he said, no, I'm dead serious. Let's do it. <laughs> like this isn't I, just a joke. <laughs> I know. And I said, well, I feel like I already have so much in my brain. He's like, well, dump it on me. Let's do it. And so we just kind of had this kind of like session right there in the middle of the <laughs> lobby of the conference. And he's like, I'm serious. I'm let's, let's, we're going to do this. Well, yeah. And his book is so his adult version, you know, yes. is so related to exactly what you're talking about. 
Yes. So we partnered together and we signed with Harvest House and we're going to have a children's book about comprehensive pro-life issues out next summer. So you guys will be talking about both, you know, traditional pro-life, but then, you know, all the other things as well. We're going to talk about comprehensive pro-life issues. So we, we're going to talk about the pre-born. We're going to talk about uh, orphans. We're going to talk about widows. We're going to talk about those who are in prison. We're going to talk about those who are dying from preventable diseases. We're going to talk about those who are pushed into the shadows because of racism and horrible rhetoric that continues to make us to see them uh, people as others. We're going to talk about those who are dying of loneliness and of ill care in retirement homes across our country. We're going to, we're going to talk about all of the different facets. We're going to talk about human trafficking. We're going to do all that we can to enter into a brave but yet appropriate space with our kids by trying to introduce them into all of these areas. And maybe that would spark something in them about how they could be a world changer, how they could bring God's light into those spaces where people feel hidden, where they feel lost in a shadow, where they're unseen. How can we grow up our kids to start identifying areas where Christ can enter in and restore? How can we spark this inspiration in our kids to go out and change the world for Christ? And I think when people hear um, other Christians say, well, I just want to love on that person. I want to enter and I want to lead with love and I want to do this with love. They think that we have to compromise or that somehow we're compromising our orthodox theology and what we really believe the Bible says in the really conservative Christian spaces. And I'm one to say, I don't have to compromise any of my beliefs. I don't have to compromise any of my foundational doctrine in order to lead with love. Love is not love without truth and truth is not truth without love. And you, and they are paired together. And so I, I do a disservice to someone if I do not communicate truth, but I also know that I'm not going to win anybody over to Christ or endear them to a relationship with him by winning an argument or a debate with them either. Yeah. Christ immediately, when he enters into people's lives, he immediately meets them at their most human point. He gives them a cup of water. He makes them breakfast. He serves wine. He does these things that meet them at their human element. And then he starts a relationship. Um, Rosaria Butterfield is a, is a great author and speaker, um, and I've heard her multiple times at ERLC, and she talked about how she was engaged in coming out of her lifestyle as uh, a gay woman. And she said that a pastor befriended her, and he, she said, he didn't worry about everything that I said or how I looked or who I brought with me to the table when they invited us over for dinner. She said, he knew one very crucial thing, and was that once he introduced me to Christ, it would all get worked out in the wash and that he didn't have to do the washing. This pastor knew that he wasn't the one to wash somebody, that it was Jesus. And so I don't feel like I've got to compromise anything by entering into these spaces with love and with humility and with a heart of learning because Christ is there. He's, he, it's not that he's not in these hard spaces that are really messy and complicated. He is there. And he's waiting for us to meet us, meet him there. He is waiting for us to meet him there. And we can, we're invited into that. And that is part of Christ-like welcome, which we are, we are on this movement. We are on this track with to change the world for Christ-like welcome. Well, I totally agree with you. You're right. It's not up to us. Um, and I just finished Rosaria Butterfield's book last week. <laughs> so, um, Which one? I, the one about hospitality? Yes. Yes. Oh, I can't wait to dive into that. I, I haven't done it yet. It's, it's really good. It's a little intimidating because you're like, oh my gosh, like I feel like she's so awesome and I am not <laughs> living up to this. Um, but it's it, it'll challenge you, you know, and it's challenged me. And I also, uh, there's another book, uh, another girl I had on the podcast, uh, wrote another book that you'd probably really like. It's called invited and her name is Leslie Verner. Okay. Um, and along the same lines, and that was also really good. Um, so anyway, all that being said, yeah, this all does go back to hospitality and, um, and the biblical call to, to love, um, the sojourner, like you were saying, and um, I just love what you guys are doing. I'd love to hear, uh, do you have any uh, role models or inspirations either in this space or just in general that you really look to for guidance or wisdom? Man, I don't think that I have one main role model. I mean, I, it might sound, it might sound very common to say Beth Moore, but I would say that um, 
I think what Beth Moore represents, I don't think that I would be along the journey that I am today if it weren't for older women in the church who had walked the hard parenting roads, who had walked the hard marriage roles, who had walked the the hard conversation or had had the hard conversation with people that were really seeking to pour into the younger generation. And they were doing it through um, experience, but also through their knowledge of the scripture. And I would say that I had so many women growing up in my church that just poured into me, who saw things in me, who called things out in me, who loved on me, who forgave me, who called me on my stuff <laughs> and, and wouldn't let me, were not content with me floundering and that knew that there was something more there. And so for me, I, I, I love these veteran Christian women in our churches who actively and intentionally decide to make time and make space for us who are really trying to find our way and who are really looking to do things with a fresh, fresh approach for the glory of God. So I wouldn't say that I have one main role model, but I would say that I do really treasure and cherish um, the older women in our churches who are really intentionally seeking out and mentoring younger women. I'm, I'm deeply appreciative of when women do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, any favorite books or um, podcasts or anything that you have listened to recently or enjoyed recently that you might want to recommend? I feel like there's a gazillion podcasts <laughs> out there. Um, one that I'm really looking forward to that hasn't started yet is the She Reads Truth podcast that's, I guess, coming out next month. So oh, they haven't okay. started yet, but She Reads Truth, I'm a big fan of them, um, is coming out with a podcast next month. So I can't wait for that to launch. Um, and then books. I feel like I have a stack of books on my nightstand, in my office, <laughs> in my living room. I just have a plethora of books that I that are half read <laughs> yeah. um, everywhere. So I do feel like I love Bob Goff's book, Love Does. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's incredibly challenging and it's, um, it's paradigm shifting. Um, so I would encourage people to read that for sure. Uh, what are some goals for you in the next five years or so? This can be personal or professional, but just anything that you have in mind that maybe you have your eye on. You know, I was speaking on a local women's panel a couple of weeks ago and I was asked, if you could create an epidemic in this country or in this world, what would it be? And immediately my heart said, welcome. Because isn't that what we're all seeking and hoping for and wanting? What, No matter what you're doing in your life, you are hoping to be welcomed. Whether you're entering into a store, whether you're um, on the side of a conversation, whether you're entering someone's home or you're going to a church or you're going to a new event, you are seeking welcome. And I think that Christ, his invitation, the way that he invites, the way that he welcomes people in could transform, could transform. <laughs> if Christians really took a hold of that, I think we would forget our fear and we would move forward in faith. And so my goals, really right now, what's hot on my heart and my mind is how do we continue this movement of welcome, of Christ-like welcome. I hope five to 10 years from now, we've got an army, a brigade of women and men, but really just we have ignited millions of women to have Christ-like welcome and biblical hospitality towards their neighbors. It doesn't even have to be towards someone who's going through the immigration process or who's a refuge across the world, a refugee across the world. It could literally be their neighbor. It could be a family member. It could it can apply to so many different facets of your life, but I am hoping for um, a movement of Christ-like invite and Christ-like welcome in our country. Do you guys have, um, are you moving toward expansion in any way? Are you um, getting like funding that you need or do you have any kind of more uh, uh, close goals for that, like near-term goals? I think we definitely are moving into a space where, you know, we've existed online on Facebook really um, for a while. Well, not a while. I'd say we're only about a year and a half old, but we've been existing really in a digital space in, on, in an online community. And what we have found is that women are hungry to engage 
um, in their communities. And so in the next several months, we're hoping to really equip and launch local welcome chapters. Mm -hmm. And so as we look to do that, um, keep in touch with us on our website and in our community. We just launched our Instagram page. So that one's very, very new. That's been launched in the last like two weeks. So our Facebook community is pretty large and we'd love to have you join us there or over on Instagram and help grow that community on Instagram. But I do think we are moving to local chapters of women who are trying to have these conversations and to build relationship where they are, which is great, which is great. You could probably look to, um, you, you talked about Latasha Morrison earlier. I know her Mm -hmm. organization has done building local chapters. Um, at least I've heard that it's done that pretty well and she has a new book out too. So, um, she's probably a good person to look to for some tips on that. Yeah, I'll be hitting up Latasha. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I will um, be putting everything out there, um, on the episode page, make sure everybody sees the documentary and all of the good stuff that you guys have. And I just thank you so much for taking the time to kind of share your heart with me and the listeners and what you're looking to do. And I hope those listening will really take a moment to pause and think about like, what are they doing or not doing and how can they just send up a prayer and ask, what should I be doing next? Yeah. And what I would encourage people to think about is that you do not have to jump head first. You don't have to dive into this big pool of the issue. The way that I did it and the way that I'm continuing to do it is that I'm taking one step at a time. Um, I still had so many questions. Um, I knew that I wanted to help advocate for immigrants and refugees because they were a vulnerable population and they were people made in the image of God that were definitely being pushed to the side and into the shadows and being deemed as other and lesser. So I knew that that was a violation of against the Imago Day. But when it came to all of the other stuff that comes with it, once you start stepping into these brave spaces, it can get very complicated and very messy quite quickly. And yet don't shrink back because of the enormity of the issue. Take one step at a time and be thoughtful and prayerful and dig into scripture. Let scripture inform you. Don't let you know the political rhetoric, don't let anything else inform you because you're not accountable to anybody else but the author of that Bible. Mm-hmm. And so... Don't be afraid to take one small step at a time. Um, I'm doing that still, and it's a journey, which is why I feel like the documentary is so critical and why the community that we've developed online is is so beautiful because we're all at a different space of learning. If we want to show Christ-like welcome and inspire other people to do that, we have to be welcoming of each other and where we are and, and our comfortability of things. But we do want to challenge each other, too, to step into these brave new spaces where, where I know Christ is. So you can find us at Christ Like Welcome on Facebook or on Instagram or go to welcomingimmigrants.org. Thank you so much, Brianna. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you'll check out Welcome. I do think it's a really important organization with a message that so many people need to hear right now. Um, there's just so much um, chaos and vision and this isn't a thing that needs to be described with those words. So thanks to Brianna so much for um, for her words of wisdom and just for sharing her story and her passion. Thanks to you for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.